Well, good morning, ECC. How are you this morning? I trust you are doing well. It's my joy to be here with you this morning. If you're visiting us, my name is Pastor Ben. I'm one of the associate pastors here. It's a joy to be here to share God's Word. I'd like to invite you to please open your Bibles to Psalm 56. That's Psalm 56. And as you're turning there, I just want to make a note that after today, we will have one more sermon on the Psalms of Lament. And I trust that this sermon series has been beneficial for you, that it's been fruitful and has fed your soul. And hopefully you've realized that as Christians, it's okay for us as believers to lament, to cry out and to know that there will be dark days. But in those dark days, we've seen in the Psalms that God is with us and we are not alone. So as you're in Psalm 56, please join me in prayer. Our gracious and loving Father, this morning we come before you and we ask that you would speak to us through your word. Holy Spirit, grant us an open heart and an open mind, and we ask that you would conform us into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. Remind us that this is a broken world and we will face trials and tribulations And yet, when we go through those difficult times, we can trust in you. And we ask all this in your name. Amen. I love hunting. I love it. It's one thing that I miss more than anything living here in the UAE. When I hunt back in my home country, I feel like Rambo, in the forest, looking for animals, ready to kill And I would do this every year. My wife, Cameron, would always say, okay, it's that time of year. You need to go with the men from the church. So me and some men, we'd go and we'd hunt for four or five days. We're out there being men, camping, uh, uncertain of what nature will bring. Uh, We're we're out there for four or five days. We're hunting for elk, for deer. And we're waking up early and we're hiking in the dark, trying to get to our spot before sunrise. And, it's, and I enjoy it because you don't know what the weather is going to bring. It's always harsh. Sometimes it's 35 degrees Celsius. The next day, it's negative 4 degrees, and there's snow on the ground. And some of you are thinking, why is that fun? But I enjoyed it. And the hope was always every year to bring back food, to kill a large animal, and to bring it back. And it's exciting to hunt. But I wonder how it feels to be one of the deer or one of the elk. I mean, think about it. You're out in the woods. You're enjoying life for 10 months out of the year. No one's bothering you. Then all of a sudden, these men come, these Rambo wannabes come, and one minute you're eating, grazing on the grass, and the next minute you're on a plate next to mashed potatoes. Everyone is out there trying to kill these animals. You know, sometimes the Christian life can feel like this where you're, you're, you're living life and, and you're constantly on the run. People are trying to get you. People are rising up against you. You feel hunted. You feel tormented. You feel like you're just minding your business and someone's there ready to harm you. There's nowhere to go, no place to hide. And I think that's how David felt in Psalm 56. You know, as we're going through Psalm 56, we're going to see David's response to fear. We'll see David in the midst of torment, and we're going to see in this psalm of lament that David is going to show you and he's going to show me how we should respond in moments of torment and fear. So my hope for you, brothers and sisters, this morning is that when fear comes into your lives, and it will, that you turn to God in trust rather than turning from God. 
So I do want to ask you a question. I'd like to probe a little. Surely you've felt this way. Surely you've had those dark moments in your life, those moments when you just have fear and, and you're filled with, with anxiety and with stress. I want to ask you this. How have you responded in those moments? Perhaps you're here and you, you sought distraction. If I could be distracted in some way, I won't have to think about it. Maybe some of you said, I'm going to try to solve the problem on my own. Maybe some of you fell into sin. Or was your first response to turn to the God of the universe? You know, as we walk through Psalm 56, remember, the Psalms are songs. So what we see is a stanza and a chorus structure, kind of like we seeing here at ECC. And in the Psalms, we're going to see three stanzas, one, two, three. And in between those stanzas, we're going to see this chorus repeated twice between the stanzas. So if you look at Psalm 56, you could see verse one and two is the first stanza. And then you have verse three and four, that's the chorus. Then it goes back to the second stanza, verse 5 through 9. Then again, the chorus, verse 10 and 11. And then it, end, it ends with the final stanza, verses 12 and 13. So now that we have this structure in mind, let's read the text, Psalm 56. To the choir master, according to the dove on far-off terebinths, a miktam of David, when the Philistines seized him in Gath, be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife, they lurk, they watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime, will they escape? In wrath, cast down the peoples, O oh God. You have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle, and they are not in your book. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back. In the day when I call, this I know that God is for me. And God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thankful offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. So before we walk through David's torment, I want to point you really quickly to that superscription, that little uh, sentence or two above verse one. Here, we, we've seen this is a, a superscription. It says, to the choir master, according to the dove on far off terebinths, a miktam of David, when the Philistines seized him in Gath. Now remember, the choir master is a Levite. He's appointed by David to lead worship. A miktam simply means a poem or a song. And the dove on far off terebinths, perhaps it's just a popular tune, during that time. But what's significant in this superscription is the last part. Look at that little part right there. It says, when the Philistines seized him in Gath. You know, many of you know the story of David and Goliath, right? This story of David who, who killed Goliath. They're, 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 just to give you a quick recap, the Israelites and the Philistines were not good friends. They were enemies. They did not like each other. David, the young shepherd boy, one day stands up to this giant named Goliath, gets a stone, gets a sling, throws it, kills him, 
Then he cuts off his head. Kids, that's not in the kids' books, in the kids' Bible, but that's in the real Bible. He does that. And then years later, King Saul becomes jealous of David. So what what does he try to do? He tries to kill David. Well, David fears for his life, so he flees to a city named Gath. This is actually a, uh, belongs to the Philistines. And, I, and think about this. His fear of Saul was so great that he said, my best option is that I need to go to Gath. I need to get out of here because that's Philistine territory and Saul's not going to follow me there. I know that. He wouldn't dare follow me. I'm safer at my enemy's territory. But of course, he gets there and think about that. The Philistines did not forget who this young David was. They remember, hey, that's the guy that killed our Goliath. That's the guy that embarrassed us. And now David is in Gath. He's faced with harsh treatment. He's, he's dealing with enemies in the north. He's dealing with enemies in the south. He's surrounded by enemies. His life is full of fear. It's full of uncertainty. And he's in unbelievable torment. And as we walk through this three stanzas in the Psalms, we're going to see David turn twice from crying out in torment to crying out in trust. So the first right here, it's no surprise. Look at verse one. It says, be gracious to me. Here, David cries out, not based on his own merit. He didn't say, hey, God, remember, I'm the one who killed Goliath. I'm the one who you speak of. I'm the king. I'm, I'm all this. No, he says, be gracious to me. He comes to God in humility, and in that, he cries out in torment. Look at verse one and two. Oh, God, for man tramples on me. All day long, an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long. This is what we call not having a good day. He's being attacked. And we're not yet specifically told who or how his enemies are tormenting him, but David gives us insight to how he feels. He says, I'm oppressed by my attackers. These are the Philistines in Gath. He goes, I'm oppressed. I'm hurting. Notice these two important words in verse one. For man tramples on me. Verse two, my enemies trample on me. David mentions this twice because he wants to emphasize that. You know, I was a lifeguard, and in my experience, when people are crying for help, they don't just say, help, and they're done. They're yelling, help, help, help. And here what we see David doing is saying, I feel trampled. I'm trampled. I'm beat. I'm done. David feels trampled. He feels crushed, flattened, pressed down, and beaten. He feels all this, and it's relentless. It's never-ending. Look at the two verses. It says, all day long, an attacker oppresses me, and my enemies trample on me. When? All day long. This torment doesn't end. And I want to remind you, this isn't just a spiritual attack that David's dealing with, although it is that, but it's a physical one. There are physical enemies that physically want to kill David. They want him dead. His life is in danger, and he knows that at any moment, he can die. Beyond all this, David writes, for many attack me proudly. This word proudly simply means arrogant. His attackers are arrogant in their pursuit. They love the fact they are causing so much pain and inflicting so much torment in the life of David. They love this. It just reveals how evil they are to him. I mean, can you imagine being in David's shoes? Can you imagine being in this much torment, uncertain of what will happen to you the next day, if someone will physically kill you or not? How would you feel? How would you feel? I mean, I think I could answer that for you and for me. I think we'd feel just like David, 
afraid, in panic, uncertain, stressed, high levels of anxiety, utter despair. Here's the second question. How would you respond? Now, that's a question I can't answer. You know, for some of you, you might respond in a godly way. For others, you would respond in a not-so-godly way. But look at the first part of verse 3 and how David responds in this situation. He goes, when I am afraid. Now, really quick, I want to pause right there because notice he acknowledges that he is afraid. Sometimes we have a tendency to see these Bible characters as, oh, they don't understand what we're going through. But he was a human. He had fear. And here he says, I am afraid. For some of you this morning, you need to hear that it's okay to be afraid. Some of you think I have to be a super Christian when I come in. I have to put on my Sunday best and I have to be here. Some of you this morning were asked, how are you doing? And you looked at them and said, I'm doing great. Not really wanting to tell them how you're feeling inside because you're really feeling not great. You're afraid. You're stressed. You're in despair. And we all have fears. David had fear here. Some of you have fear of water. We have fear of uh, spiders, fear of dentists. Fear of standing up here and speaking in front of a large crowd. You guys would be maybe panicked about that. But there are also more serious fears that can affect our lives. Fear of failure. This fear of failure perhaps keeps you from trying something new and stepping out. Maybe it's paralyzing. Maybe it keeps you from even serving in a ministry here at the church. Maybe some of you suffer from fear of the future, and this causes you to be greedy with your money, to hoard it, to save it, not to give to the church, not to give to those in need, not to give to those who are in desperate need of financial help. Maybe some of you have fear of man, and this causes you to be somebody that you're not, living for others, always trying to please man, not really wanting to please God. You know, there's a phrase called fight or flight. Maybe you've heard of it, but this is a term in psychology that addresses our response in traumatic situations. And in these mo- when these moments come, we either fight or we flee. You know, fearful moments often reveal who we are deep down. Fear either pushes us toward God or pushes us away from God. So what does David do? After crying out in torment, he then cries out in trust. Look at verse three and four. He goes, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? David's fear propels him to trust God. This trust begins to bring him peace. And as the late Charles Spurgeon said, he said, David feared, but that fear did not fill his whole area of his mind. For he adds, I will trust in thee. It is possible then for fear and faith to occupy the mind at the same moment. David not only trusting in God, but look what he said in verse 4. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust. David cried out and he praised God's word. Remember, for David at this time, what this meant was he was remembering the books of Moses, the Pentateuch. He was remembering Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Brothers and sisters, we have so much more than what David had. Think about that. We are privileged to be living in 2023 when God has revealed his word completely, full revelation. We have the holy scriptures that bring us hope no matter what torment or what trial or what difficulty you're facing in your life. 
God has written down his promises. He's written them for you. He's written them for me. We can find hope and peace in his word. When we read passages like Psalm 23, 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Isaiah 41, 10, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Joshua 1, 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Deuteronomy 31, 6, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes before you, who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Matthew 28, 20, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 1 Corinthians 3, 16, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Romans 8, 31, what then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? We should find great hope in God's word. We have more than David had. You see, brothers, this is why you and I can join David in crying, in God whose word I praise, I shall not be afraid. When we know who God is before us, we can join David and say, what can flesh do to me? We've now arrived to the second stanza. Remember I said there's a, a stanza and a chorus. Now we got another stanza, the second one a cry of torment. So he's gone from crying out in torment to crying out in trust, back to crying out in torment. You know, we can almost see David writing this psalm, processing how he's feeling. You know, as I, I've counseled some of the members here at the church and others, and in those situations, I've seen different things and um, challenging moments in their lives. And it's not uncommon to have kind of a reaction like this that David has. You know, especially when dealing with things like anger, we've seen, I've seen uh, couples be angry, and then the next minute, they're calm. Then the next minute, they're angry, then they're calm. Perhaps you know what this feels like when, when someone who you love passes away. You're filled with grief and with, with hurt and pain. And then you're with family and you're sharing stories about their life and you're laughing. You're enjoying and thinking about memories. Then the next minute you're in pain and sorrow and you're crying. And then 30 minutes later you're laughing at stories that they've, they've, uh, of stories of them. Here David is crying out in torment, crying out in trust, and now he goes back to torment. Look at verse five and six. In these passages, you'll notice that David goes a little more specific in regards to his tormentors. He really wants to paint the picture of their evil. All day long, they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. Again, for the third time, David says, all day long, he said in verse one, he said in verse two, and now he's saying in verse five, he wants us to know this is not ending. This is all day long. They watch his steps. They try to injure him. They're waiting to kill him. You know, as I said, I, I, I enjoy hunting. And I remember one year going hunting, and, and this morning my friend and I woke up at 3.30 in the morning. We had our oatmeal, we had our coffee, and we went off for a hike. And as we were hiking, it was cold. There was some snow on the ground, and it was still dark. Remember, it was about 4 in the morning. And as I'm walking, I see a pair of eyes about 20 meters away. And it's not uncommon for 
you to see a pair of eyes when you're hunting because you have your little headlamp and you see these eyes. Typically, it's a small little rodent, a little bird or a deer. But these eyes were different. These eyes were emerald green, and they kept watching me as I moved. And I just remember seeing the eyes doing this. And I stopped, and I looked through my rifle to the scope because I wanted to see how a little closer. And as I was watching, my friend says, hey, there's two more pairs behind it. And I stood there, the longest five minutes of my life, I quickly realized that I had run into a mountain lion. Now, just so you know, most hunters will go their whole lives and never run into a mountain lion. Thankfully for me, lucky me, I ran into three of them. It was dark. I was, I was with my friend. And I stood there trying to remain calm, kind of talk to myself, just stay calm, just watch it. If it starts to move towards you, do what you have to do. And after some time, the mountain lion went away. Do you think I felt relieved? Not really. Because if you know anything about mountain lions, they're sophisticated. They will often walk in one direction, and as you go, they'll double back and come from behind. And I knew this. They stalk you. They look for you. When you're not expecting it, they jump on you. So I told my friend, hey, every two meters, look behind you. And if you see anything, shoot. I felt like the hunter had become the hundred. As we hiked, eventually we, we, we left the tracks and we went off and the sunlight came up and it was great. I felt better. But I can't help but think that somehow this is how David's enemies were pursuing him, seeking him, constantly looking, David constantly looking over his shoulder, his enemies, the Philistines, trying to cause harm, lurking in the woods, watching his every move, seeing him walk down to the river, seeing him walk through the fields, knowing his pattern, seeing when he sleeps, seeing when he wakes up, observing him all day long so that they could kill him. Feeling overwhelmingly torment, tormented, David continues to cry out. Look at verse seven. For their crimes, for their crimes will they escape? In wrath, cast down the peoples, oh God. One translation says, will they escape in spite of such sin? See, David here calls what they're doing sin. And he asks God to intervene. He, he says, God, pour out your wrath on these enemies. He needs intervention and David knows there's nothing I can do. He says he wants God to once again bring down the Philistines like he did once in the battlefield. See, David knows that God is just and that he has a moral responsibility to act against sin. God's wrath is not this emotional outburst that you and I have. David knows that God cannot let sin go unpunished. So the question is, how do you respond when you feel betrayed? Or when you feel attacked? How do you respond when you've been hurt by others, either intentionally or unintentionally? How do you respond when others have caused you deep emotional and maybe even physical pain? Maybe enemies, those who you hate, or maybe even other church members. How do you respond when others have caused you hours of sleepless nights? You know, I know how I sometimes have responded. I respond maybe the way you respond. We have a tendency to react in an ungodly manner. 
We respond in a similar way. We want to do what they've done to us. We want them to feel the same pain that we feel. We want them to have sleepless nights. We want them to suffer. We want to be the ones to drop the hammer. We want them to suffer. We want revenge rather than godly justice. But if we're not careful in those moments, we begin to act like the Philistines, not realizing that we're actually reacting or acting in sin. David knows that their judgment is in God's hands. David knows that God cares for him, and he knows that God sees him, and he he sees his tears, and that nothing he's done has gone unnoticed. This is true for David in Psalm 56, and it's true for us today. Look at verse 8. Look at what he cries out. He says, you have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? This word tossings just really means wanderings. That He's like, you've kept track of my wandering around. He's in Gath, wandering around, getting lost, trying to hide from his enemies, perhaps going into caves, uh, staying there for a night or two, walking through the fields, not knowing where he's going, just wandering. He's saying, God, you've kept track of all that. He's gotten lost perhaps near rivers, and in difficult moments in life, it's easy to feel forgotten, isn't it? It's easy for us to feel alone. It's easy for us to feel like we've been abandoned by everyone and even God. And I could see almost David here writing in the Psalms with tears coming down his face. As he writes this, David knows that his God keeps permanent record of all that he's gone through. He even says, you put my tears in a bottle. I think this is a beautiful verse. I think this is one verse that just shows the character of God. You know, as a parent, when my kids hurt, I remember. When they cry for for legitimate and hurtful, and they're feeling that pain and sorrow that they feel, I remember. So for those of you who are going through a challenging time in your life, remember this. God's word says that he has not forgotten you. Notice what happens next. Look at verse nine. Then my enemies will turn back in that in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. You see, David knows that his secret weapon is not a sword. It's not his slingshot. It's not an army of soldiers. It's prayer. It's prayer. Here, David's on his knees praying and pleading with God that his judgment would be poured out on his enemies. Only God can make his enemies turn and run back in defeat. And David knows this. He even says, this I know. He knows this because he's, God's proven himself to be faithful and faithful over and over and over and over again. Prayer was David's first and only response. You know, too often, prayer is our last resort rather than our first right? We have this mindset of of, when all else fails, I'll pray. You know, this is why we have our second Sunday prayer meeting. We believe in prayer. It's not just something to fill the calendar. It's it's not just to eat and fellowship. It's to pray. We want to get together as a church body and pray together. This is why we come together and earnestly seek God. There will be difficult days, We can pray for each other at this meeting. We can pray for the body. So here, David goes from crying of torment, crying of trust, 
back to crying of torment, back to crying of trust. Look at verse 10 and 11. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? David again continues to recognize that God's word is true. And as one commentator said, he says, in praising God's word, David praises the God who speaks it and carries it out. To honor God's word is to honor God. David here is proclaiming that God's word is authoritative. They are, in fact, the very words of God. This was true for him and it's true for us. We don't need an experience. We don't need to rely on someone who's received new revelation from God. We don't need to follow this feeling. God has revealed his word to us. He has given us all that we need. And then David ends by saying, what can man do to me? This is the second time he said that. Now, maybe you've heard that and you're like, yeah, a lot. Man can actually do a lot. I mean, it's not every day. I mean, we could every day just look on Google and, and see horrible things that people have done to other people, right? So maybe you're looking at that and saying, well, man, man can do a lot of harm to someone else. But David knows that nothing can happen to him that is not in God's sovereign plan. And that brings him peace. So just to recap, we've seen this cry of torment, cry of trust. Cry of torment, cry of trust. And now we get to the third stanza, a cry of thanksgiving. He says in verse 12, look with me. I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. For you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. See, David has made his vow with his life. And a vow is simply a, a promise, a pledge, a bond, a commitment, a covenant. And if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, then you've made a co covenant with God. You've made a commitment with God. And David knows that his covenant with God, he can't help but cry out in thankfulness. He says, God, he says to God, I give you everything. Everything I have, I give to you. I give you offerings Think of the gratitude that you would feel if, if somebody you knew saved your life. Think about if somebody rescued you from death, how would you feel? But see, the reality is that somebody has saved your life. When we look back at what God has done for us, when you reflect upon your life and think about how God has taken care of you, how he's sustained you in those difficult moments in life, how he's protected you in danger, we can't help to live for God. David cries out in thanksgiving. and Look at verse 13. He says, For I have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Brothers and sisters, I know life is challenging. We face difficult seasons in life. We'll face difficult seasons as a church. We'll face difficult seasons as individuals. We'll face difficult situations. People who are hating us, people who are persecuting us, evil people. We will face dark moments in this life. And when we do, it's Psalms like Psalm 56 that we need to hold on to. See, we know what it's like, don't we, to endure tormenting situations in life. David, as we've clearly seen, knew what it was like to endure 
tormenting situation. But there was another one. There was another man who knew what it was like to endure such torment. One who, who would be hunted day and night. One who would receive the wrath of God. This man is called the son of David. This man is Jesus Christ. Jesus too would cry out to God and see Jesus' enemies would attack him all day long. Jesus' enemies would twist his words. Jesus' enemies would conspire against him. They would be relentlessly in pursuit of him. Jesus' enemies would lurk and watch his every steps. Jesus' enemies would eventually capture him. And Jesus' enemies would take him to the cross. But like Psalm 56, God's anger was poured out, and not on his enemies, but it was poured out on Christ because of our wickedness because of our sins. And David prayed, what can man do to me? We may say a lot. Jesus answered that question by saying, nothing. Man can do nothing. And he proved it by rising from the grave and conquering death and rising three days later. And this is the good news of the gospel, that God was merciful and loving the God who knows what you're going through, the God who holds your tears in a bottle, would look down at you and at me and say, you are sinful, you need to be rescued. So he would send Jesus Christ to die on a cross, defeat death, raise from the dead, so that when we respond and we look to him, and we put our faith in him, we're saved. And because of this, we can confidently join David in crying for thanksgiving, when he says in verse 13, for you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. This was David's earthly hope, but it was also his eternal hope. If you're here and you're not a Christian and, and you would say, yeah, I'm not a Christian, I'm just visiting, or maybe I've been coming for some time and I'm not a believer, I want to speak to you, my friends. Do you have this eternal hope? Do you find yourself in the midst of torment and fear? And how do you deal with that? Maybe you feel like you're just stumbling through life and walking in the dark. If you answer yes, I want you to know something. There is hope in Christ Jesus. You know, in Psalm 56, we, we see this psalm. And a thousand years later, we would see this in John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus' words would say, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, it's very likely that Jesus, a thousand years later, would be reflecting on Psalm 56. We live in a dark world, and our true hope is only that Jesus is the light. We have a wonderful promise that if we follow Christ, we will not walk in darkness. This life, brothers and sisters, will bring dark moments. We'll be tormented. We'll face trials. But brothers and sisters, it won't last. Because the God who stores up our tears has provided our escape in Christ. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, this morning, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for being the perfect David. We thank you for being the one who ran to the cross so that we may no longer stumble through life in darkness but that we may walk boldly in the light of life. Amen.